This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Launched in 2005, Dream Symbols is the partnership of passionate Canadian instrument designers and generations of Chinese gong smiths. So try one out at your local dealer. I think you're going to dig it. The prices are great. They've got some cool stuff that sounds funky, trashy, also some stuff that's clean. Uh, also, follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, show them some Modern Drummer Podcast love, and let's get to the show. This is fun to talk over. All right, it is episode 158 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnson from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host who will be joining me shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. After Mike and I get all caught up, we'll be talking about sight reading and how sight reading can improve your performance as a drummer, whether you're using it all the time or not. In our featured artist section, we'll be checking out Damian Marley's Courtney Bam Diedrich, We'll also do a little gear review and check out the Roland TD-17KVX drum set. It's actually quite amazing. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. No, 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 before we get started, seriously, go to iTunes and please give us a five-star rating and a bit of a review. That is how other drummers find this podcast. And now on to the show. Hey, buddy. So we got our first commercial intro. Sounds like we're going to sell something. What are we selling? That was awesome. Uh, dude, we're selling We're selling inspiration, baby. That was fantastic. I love it. It was like a jingle. It was like a fusion jingle vibe. Just makes you want to laugh and be yeah. happy. Right? That's a great way to start an episode of the podcast. What episode is it, by the way? Uh, 158. 158, and, and that was Luke on the Jingle Beats. <laughs> he's just getting us. He's ready. I mean, we can sell insurance. We can do our podcast. We've got lots of options now. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. So he's got a lot of gear. So let's run down what he, what he played there. It's a DW Collector's Maple Series kit with a 22-inch bass drum, 10, 12, 14, 16-inch toms. He's got a pearl brass steve ferroni's signature snare which i'm pretty sure that's no longer in production because he doesn't play pearl right. anymore oh, that's a great drum he's got vintage zildjian hi-hats bosphorus tantamore smash crash a uh, zildjian k splash 10 um he's using my favorite bass drum mic on the inside the beta 91a with a pg 56 on the beater side uh, snare mics, SM57, Beta 57, Tom Mike's Beta 56, so he's a shore guy, overhead, KSM 32s, which I love, front room, KSM 44, and a KSM 27 in an MS configuration. Back of the room is KSM 57s facing hell. away from the kit into a wall. He's using the DigiDesign 003 rack, Focusrite Octopri, Pro Tools, UAD Waves, and Massey plugins. <sighs> and now, please uh, visit iTunes and give us a positive review. Right before you fall asleep. Uh, so to, to all the people riding in the car with a drummer that's forcing you to listen to this podcast, we apologize. But you know what? That's gear. Yeah. We love it. You need it. need to know it. it you know, it's so funny because it, it is like just the most monotonous, boring thing ever. Unless you're into it, then it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Where'd you put that mic? <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> so funny, man. Everything has a niche. Yeah. I'm about uh, how to, are you uh, doing, man? I'm good. I'm doing all right. What did what I do today? Oh, I edited some articles, played some drums. I've got a new thing in my morning uh, practice routine where 
I'm evaluating my timing with the beatnik. Like, I get up, have a glass of water, drink a cup of coffee, go to the beatnik, and just evaluate my stickings if I improv. You know, I'll just play 16th notes and improvise different sticking combinations. Stickings, okay. And that's right away, the first thing I'm doing, like, where's my head at? How am I feeling? And it's like once I get to 85% accuracy, I'd move on to a different sticking pattern. And that's it's been really nice. – it's not a warm-up. It's more like a just setting the tone for the day. It's been cool. It's yeah. been nice to that's know awesome, that, like, man. okay, I, I, when you, I'm not worse than I was yesterday, so there's no reason right. to hate yourself too much yet. Let's get the day going yet. on the right foot. <laughs> when you do that stuff, are you doing any – Accents, or is it all as monotone as possible? Um, mostly monotone, but I don't, I don't disallow like subtle accents. I'm not playing like okay. hu- like huge accent patterns. It's more gotcha. more just like a stream of of notes with notes. up and down slight dynamics, but mainly I would say yeah. within like a mezzo forte, mezzo piano kind of range. And it's been cool. Yeah. I mean, I've been kind of like the the assessment for me of do I really understand. A pattern or a sticking is if I can improvise with it. So, if I can right. do mixed stickings with singles and doubles and freely improvise and be as almost as accurate as when I play something like one sticking over and over again, mm-hmm. then I feel like I've, I've got it under control. Yeah. So that's been my morning routine. It's been kind of cool, a little bit different. That's awesome. Changing. You know, it I've up. got a advanced camp going on right now. And yesterday for our warm up, I said, "All right, we're going to do one of the oldest warm ups of all time." And we're just going to see how it goes. And it's just the kind of classic go from singles to doubles to paradiddles, no accents. And can you hear a difference between the sticking, Mm -hmm. you know, because we tend to use different muscles. And a lot of people, honestly, myself included, learned paradiddles as an accent on a downbeat. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not monotone. It's paradiddle. Paradiddle. So when you take that out, there's a physicality that you lose, and you're like, I don't know where I am anymore. What comes after the right, left? Is it a double? I think that's right. So anyways, so I wanted to show them not how hard that is, because I think you can grab any drummer off the street that's played their whole lives, turn on the metronome at 180, and have them do it at 16th notes, and they're going to fail. There's going to be a huge difference between those three things. Singles are going to be aggressive. Doubles are going to be kind of baby bouncy rolled out. And then the paradiddles will have a pulse to them if you, you, know, if you don't give them a heads up. So what I showed them was we, did, we took the metronome down to 45, and we did it, and it was flawless. You could not tell what was a double, what was a paradiddle, what was a single. So my thought or my question that I was putting on them is what is the BPM where you invoke a new technique – for one of those as opposed to the other. Mm-hmm. Maybe singles you can keep at like 180 and it's just all kind of muscling it out. But then it doubles right around 130. Everybody kind of jumped into wrist finger, wrist finger. And you could hear it. Yeah, it was right. a different thing. And then paradiddles had that motion of deca 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 de, And you could hear it. Where at 45, everything could just be wrist, 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 double, double, yep. wrist, wrist. You know, so there. I think that that is something that we should all as drummers look at is what are those tempos where we're making a shift from one technique to another and we just didn't even know it was there but you can hear it for sure yeah the breaking point i when i was talking to a a college professor who who's been studying colonial rudimental drumming he reminded me that one of the most valuable things to practice is the open closed uh, way of doing rudiments so start as slow as possible and gradually increase tempo and that's where you discover where's the breaking point. Where do I have to start using the fingers or start have to? But but if you don't practice it, you'll never really know because you kind of jump over that threshold where it actually happens. Oh yeah, I think we all practice at 
you know, 60 is what we all just marked in our mind as slow because it's a nice round number. Right. There's yeah. a few songs that are ballads at that tempo. We're good at 60. And then we jump to 120 and 200. Anything yeah. else? I don't need it. You know, and it's like, oh, man, there's so many little gray areas in there. And, you you know, you don't realize it until it's a song thing. And you have to – I remember right, left, kick, kick or just two hands and two, two uh, bass drum notes. That was the one that had I could blaze that, but what I couldn't do is go da da ka da da ka da da ka because uh-huh. my foot would go da da ka da da ka da da and so those are those those tempos are so important. You're right, and I think even doing that, starting right left kick kick right left kick kick, and building it all the way up to your roll tempo, and then finding out like oh man, there's someone somewhere right around 95 where I've got a problem. Yeah, and own that thing. My warm up you know. is at 90, and that seems to be the spot where the doubles yeah. are just just quick enough to where, especially when I'm with playing with the meat, the beatnik analyzer and the click is playing sixteenth notes, I can hear everything and I can see it on screen. Whenever any sixteenth note is slightly off, right. it's the doubles. When I start improvising singles and throwing in like just right hand doubles, mm-hmm. the second note, I feel like I'm not quite there. That's like yeah. a weird and, tempo. And it's 90. so easy to snap those fingers shut and you rush that double. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, and then which causes you to drag the next two singles and then there's an inconsistency. And then the beatnik says 32. Like, that can't be right. <laughs> what I love I'm about so- that thing is, it, you know, at easy level, 99%. Medium level, 98%. Hard level, 80%. Expert level, 35%. Really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's nice. like it's like the uh, the video games that you just can't win, you know, like there's no right. no yeah. way you can ever beat the final boss because he's always going to kill you. That's expert yeah. level for me. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing is great. It, Let me see what it looks like on expert. Oh my god. <laughs> is it sad that I uh, lean closer to the beatnik thinking there's latency between the speaker on the beatnik in my ear? <laughs> And I'm like, no, because I'm crushing this. I can't possibly be at 60%. Uh, there's probably some latency between the three feet of distance. So uh, I highly recommend uh, anyone who has a beatnik use ear f- earbuds. Headphones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I agree. But I yeah, agree. The, the accuracy does go up by 1%. <laughs> but it's enough. It makes you feel better about yourself. It's all yeah. good. And yeah, and I, uh, I like to master the easy level first. Right now, I just have it on hard. That's kind of like my default. I know if I know if I can get between seventy-five and eighty-five with simple stickings, I'm feeling good about myself. When I go to expert right. level and I see thirty-five, I'm like, forget about it. There's no button. There's no human right. being on earth that can get a passing grade in expert level. I want to. Uh, I want to meet that person. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I uh, as I said before, I'm in the middle of a drum camp. This is drum camp number eight, my 78th mm. drum camp here at Um We will be announcing the new camp schedule. And the reason why I mentioned the camp is because we got to make this episode kind of quick because I have to get out of here and start teaching those campers. But we'll be announcing the camp schedule for 2019 in late October. So the podcast listeners, you guys will be prepped about that. They usually... All 10 camps usually sell out on the first day, so I will prep you guys so you guys know when it is because I would love to have some of you be here at camp. And next year we are adding a teacher camp. So I will mm, be cool. spending a week teaching other private drum instructors how to teach, how to explain things better, how to build their roster, how to market themselves online, and how to get your students to stay in your private lessons longer, which obviously turns into long-term revenue. So uh, I'll, I'll give you guys a heads up about that. But for now... It is time to get into the good stuff. Which one? How to become a better site reader. <laughs> Joel Rothman. Another, Our good buddy Joel. Another super sexy topic. Um, 
But the reason you know why what? I added this, because I think it's important to not forget about sight reading. Even if you're not reading music on your gigs or even if you don't, you know, you're not going to make charts for your bands or whatever. I've found that keeping my sight reading chops sharp is very similar to being able to improvise. It's it's a certain mm-hmm. confidence builder and awareness. I feel like I don't really know a rhythm until I can sight read it. That's kind of my, my yeah, goal. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, I can, I can figure it out. But what if I just open the page and it's got a bunch of quintuplets and stuff on it? Can I just sight yeah. read it? No, then i got to go back and spend a lot more time with the quintuplets. Yeah. You know, the other thing, and this is more tied to Joel's article and we're and talking about actual charts, but reading rhythms out of syncopation is one thing. Reading those same rhythms as a one-measure thing where you're just playing time, playing time, and then there's just this, here we go, dun, dun, yeah, dun, figure. Dun, dun, a figure, being able to not only hit that, but then say, okay, but could, could you have set it up, improvised through it, Mm. And paid it off at the end, or would you literally go a zing, ding, 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 gak, 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 gak? Yeah, it's like okay, well, that's uh, we didn't want you to stop playing drum set and then just play the syncopation rhythm. Oh, yeah. uh, so I think that that's another one of those things too, where if you read rhythms and hits and stabs enough, they stop being notation, and you see, you visually see this little measure of time. It's weird. You hear it. Mm-hmm. You don't see it anymore as like, oh, it comes in on the end of one. It's, oh, I know that. It's baba do gat gat gat. Yeah. I've seen that a million times. I know how it sounds, and I know how to fill into it. I know how to fill out of it. So I, I completely agree with you. I think it's super important. Yeah, I think um, it's like reading. You know, At first, you have to sound out a word, and then you just know it's apple, and then you go on to the next word. I, I think of rhythms as being words, and I think of measures as being familiar sentences. So you don't have to like analyze yeah. every word. You just see it. Like the gig starts at seven. Okay, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm looking at measure three on his chart. Ba 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 da ba da. Yeah, and I it's like I I, I know what that's. I didn't read. It's downbeat, downbeat, da 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 da. Like I I mean I you just know it. Yeah. And it's 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 important to have that stuff down. And then the other thing too is I think okay, well he's got you know swing up top on bar one. What if that just said straight funk? Yeah. Now I'm swinging. And so putting your mindset in all those different places is super important as well. Do you uh, chart out anything with your band? Like as reminders or different ideas, arrangement stuff. No, but I, I think it's probably because, in all honesty, I don't think we're there yet. If I think if we rehearsed a little bit more, and I think that's our goal is to start going. Okay, now we have the songs down so well. Now let's put in some really cool stuff um, because all the guys in my band can read, and they've mm. all they all grew up in school music and doing jazz band and everything. So I, I definitely want. It's cool to be in a band where I know that I can take advantage of that skill set. Yeah. Instead of being the only one that went through school music and stuff. I found a weird phenomenon where if I chart something out too much, like too much detail, I never actually learn it. And that's oh really? Yeah. Like if I'm if I'm doing like cover band gigs, it's perfect because I know I'm going to do that one Bruno Mars song one time and probably not play it again for another year. So I right. just write it out. Everything is there, all the hits, all the stops, and then I just read it down. But if we were going to go on tour and I had to play that song every night and I had that chart right. there, I would still not learn it. I would never memorize the song. 
Meaning that you would be stuck on the chart. I would just be reading it. I would never take sure. the time. Yeah. It's kind of like, I think it's kind of like GPS, where you never actually learn how to get where you're going. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it just tells you where to go. <laughs> like, man, this is my ninth time driving to the dog park in the Bay Area, and there's only one road to get there, and I still miss the exit somehow. <laughs> right? I'm like, and it's only because I was like, oh, I got it this time. Nope. Nope. Yeah. It's, um, it's really funny, because I'm going through that now with, uh, I'm playing this gig on Sunday with a guitarist Larry Mitchell who's awesome it's all original stuff I played a gig with him about six months ago and that was the first time we like played a show so I had everything mapped out charted out I didn't memorize the songs the gig went okay it went pretty well but I felt like I was kind of reading I was playing mm. playing charts so for this one I'm not going to take any notation it's going to be a set list with BPMs and a simple indicator of 16th note funk or whatever right. Jeff yeah, yeah, Buckley yeah. style yeah. Six eight groove, like yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that stuff's super important to, uh, and th- those are the notes that matter the most. Uh, I always tell everybody, the one thing I want to know when I look at my notes for a cover gig or a gig that's a one off. It's not my band. Is one I want to know: Do I start or do they start? Because yeah. if they start, it takes the pressure off me. If I start, I need to have a little more information. Uh, and if I do start, I want to know the BPM. And then just like you said, like I need some sort of note that makes sense to me that jogs my memory of the vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it says, um, what's a, uh, what's that shuffle tune that Todd Zuckerman always plays by uh, Jimi Hendrix, Manic, Manic Depression? Depression? I, yeah, there's a quicksand song called Manic Compression, I think, and it's stuck <laughs> in my head. So I was like, I don't want to say it wrong. <laughs> Old school fans are going to lose their minds on me. Yeah. But yeah, um, Manic Depression, you know, if I said that, it's just enough to jog my memory. Like, yeah. got it. And that's, I, I, that's just, one of Larry's songs, too. It's a Manic Depression kind of feel. No so way. As soon as I, I yeah. right, cause there's like, I think there's three or four that are in 6 8 or 12 8, but they're slightly different like intensities and mindsets. So that's it's hard right. to be like, all right, what which groove is it that I play? All right, it's the Manic Depression right. feel, or it's the yeah. Jeff Buckley Grace 6 8 feel. Like that, there you those go. Are my yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, I, I agree. Like, if you just write the time signature, it doesn't give you, it doesn't jog your memory of the vibe. You know, if I write down beautiful people, Marilyn Manson, I know it's, I know it's like tribal floor tom shuffle feel. Yeah. But if it just says shuffle and I come in with a blue shuffle, I'm like, oh, that's right. Marilyn Manson vibe. Way off. Yeah. But I guess we'll be. I mean, going back to the reading thing, I think it, for me, it's important that for those cover bands that I'm not in regularly, I might play once a year. It's a you know I'm subbing for for other drummers. Having right. those charts completely drawn out, I never have to listen to those songs ever again. Like, I just yeah, that's a good point. Give me the set list. I've got the charts. I show up. Just play. We just read it down. If right. it was my own band, that's when I feel like there's you know. It's not cool to be on stage with a tablet if it's your own band and you're playing right. the same set every night. Yeah, I mean, you should have the songs down. But I, I agree, and I think one thing that Joel makes really clear in this article that I think we've all been a part of someone butchering, whether it's the drummer that's also in our jazz band when we're in high school and we're sharing the chair, or if it's somebody else in the band, is you can leave hits out. If you if you don't know how to play it, don't play it. Just play time through it. Don't yeah, right. butcher it because then it's it's just, yeah exactly. Um, and he says four things that every drummer must catch on a drum part when sight reading are dynamics, tempo changes, time signature changes, and musical pauses or cutoffs. And I kind of agree with that. I mean that's you know one thing that we learn to do early on when we start playing charts is one own a pencil. 
not a pen. Yeah. <laughs> own a pencil because it's, it's the school's chart. It's not yours. Um, but own a pencil and start getting that roadmap down immediately. Look for you know first endings and second endings. Look for codas. Look for tempo changes. And if you have to draw, draw a giant arrow pointing to, don't forget, we go from this thing that we're this jazz swing into six eight afro cuban here then mm. jaw, draw draw giant arrow you know um the other thing that i think we learn from reading charts is how to start feeling things in longer phrases because you don't want to be reading every bar especially if it's yeah. you know kind of a fast swing i don't want to go like one two three four two two three four yeah. three two three four that's four. where like, having the you know eight in parentheses above the eighth bar is mm-hmm. good i do that all the time if it's not there and Absolutely. i've had some charts where the the orchestrator just wasn't thinking they'd put like 13 bars on a line and it's a it's a 12 bar form or something right it drives yeah, me yeah, nuts because yeah. I, I just want to see eight bars per line or something that makes sense so i just like okay yep. i can i don't have to look at the chart for the next five seconds i know we're going to get through right. eight measures <laughs> yeah because i mean that's kind of what you do you know you eventually start playing music and then you just kind of know oh we're coming to the end of this section i'm going to look to my left or over my hi-hat or wherever you put your music stand and I'm going to find my place in this chart and just see, oh, yeah, that's right. I've got this figure coming up. I'm going to hit this or mm-hmm. set it up. Um, or we're going into you know a piano solo or whatever it is. And I think it's really good to be able to find that spot. So I do the same thing. If, I, if, they, if the chart doesn't have uh, measure markings, then I'll, I'll put them in there for sure. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty cool. So now is this from one of his books? One of his eight million books. I, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Joel's got quite a few. These are actually new articles that he wrote uh, exclusively oh, cool. for us. But I'm sure he's got a handful of of sight reading books. And the ones we've also recommended: Steve Fittick's At First Sight, Steve Houghton's mm-hmm. Drumset Anthology. There's there's quite a few of them out there. But I do think nice. it's a skill that the modern drummer, quote unquote, overlooks because we don't need to read as much anymore. But I think if you take the time, like I. I literally transcribing a bunch of Carter McLean's stuff for his book. And it's funny when he explains something, you're like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And you can kind of intellectualize it, but then as soon as you put it on paper, you're like, dang, this is way more complicated than, than it just seemed. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a seven oh, yeah. over a three with a, with a four pattern and a feet. But it, right. but it's, yeah, it, yeah. it makes per- perfect sense when you just when you hear it and when you you think about it but then when you actually notate it out it's like oh that note actually lines up with this bass drum mm. part so you're not like fudging stuff you're gonna like, kind of figure it out yeah so yeah that, i'm doing That's, it all the time it's a good way for me to kind of solidify an idea like take something from right. this kind of nebulous concept what is what does a halftime shuffle sound like if you play it in seven eight and then, can, then when you write it right. out, you're like, oh, that's where it flips over the bar line or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I will say this. Um, in I kind of make a conscious effort in my YouTube videos not to include notation because I kind of feel like having the notation is part of the perk of being a member of MikeSlessons.com. Mm-hmm. My YouTube lessons are tips and tricks, and they're, they're things that are fun to listen to. But if you if you want to get serious and, and do some of the monotonous foot speed work and hand speed work and building your independence, you have to go pay for that education. Well, one thing that's really cool, even though it's kind of a negative is that a lot of people on YouTube are like, man, I really wish you would have included the notation, which tells me, Oh, you can read. That's yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's a great thing. I love that comment, you know? Um, so good stuff. All right. Well, everybody check out all 
of Joel Rothman's books. I mean, his basic drumming book has been my teaching Bible since I was 17 years old. I I always have it with me. And I just know that whatever any student is working on, the basics of that thing, no matter how advanced the student is, is going to be inside that book. But all of his books are great. Now it is time to talk about somebody that's got a little bit of feel. A little bit. (laughs) So talking about Damian Marley's Courtney Bam Diedrich. Yes. Uh, Really fun to – I watched a bunch of his stuff today. Honestly didn't know much about him before this. And uh, it was really cool um, just to see him play. And, you know, he's not – random American guy that's trying to play reggae. This guy grew up and was born in Jamaica and just obviously has the feel and stud player. Yeah. I mean, he's coming, I mean, he's playing with Damien Marley with the, you know, Bob Marley's son. That's the more kind of hip hop edge of, of the reggae scene, a lot more dance hall feels. So we were really kind of drawn to his ability to, to stay, you know, honor the tradition, but if I needed to make a loop or build a program part, I'm going to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Really kind of neat. And uh, he also has you know, exactly what you want from somebody. He, he respects his peers, respects his elders, respects the, the lineage of the music. And right. I thought the interview came across really. He's interviewed in uh, the current issue, the one with Eric Hernandez on the cover. So he's part of this live drummer uh, spotlight that we did. And I just felt like he was just such a cool dude and very respectful and understands you know, who, you know he, he calls out one of his peers Squidly Cole who's another drummer we should feature I think if, if you don't follow Squidly Cole on Instagram or Courtney do it because they're always posting right. like sound check clips and you get to hear them lay down like the most authentic reggae grooves it's insane right. uh, yeah it's pretty cool now do you know is he an endorsed artist everything I could find of him had him playing some other drums. He's on DW drums. No, I don't think so. I mean, he, no, I I would seriously doubt it because he says in the story that his snare of choice is a Pearl Virgil Donati signature drum, but he, and his, that's the one he has like tuned way up for that really high timbali sound. And he also Mm -hmm. has a pork pie that is tuned super low for that more kind of dance hall sound. That's cool. So yeah, I don't think so. He's playing a Yamaha kit in the, some of the pictures, a DW kit in another picture. I think he just plays whatever's there. Oh, I wanted to share a little bit uh, about... I thought this was an awesome part of the story. He was talking about the snare drum. Mm -hmm. Um, The Virgil one? Yeah, the Virgil one. Uh, And he talks about how it's... You know, He says, I tune it to a high pitch, and if I'm in a cold area, even if you leave it on stage for five minutes, you start to hear the sound deteriorating. So he talks Mm -hmm. about how the weather is affecting that snare sound, that that really high snare sound so what he does is he will sometimes he'll take it back to his hotel room take the head off and use a blow dryer to warm it up actually warm up the drum (laughs) wow that's that's dedication yeah he says he keeps a chamois uh, with him so he'll rub the head to keep it warm uh, and, and sometimes he said when Damien will look back and say, what's what's up with the snare? And his his answer is it has the flu. <laughs> that is epic. It's like I they are that. so dialed into that snare sound. If it's not right, everyone on wow. stage is like, mm, what's up with that snare? Hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. I'd never heard That's... of that before. I mean, I, no, I'm not, I love it. I don't condone it or or uh, <laughs> endorse it. You know, either way, I think it's interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't ever tune my drum that high to try to get that type of sound to put right. a drum under that much pressure to where the head could, and also don't play outside 
in extreme weather enough to be like, what would happen yeah, if I mean, a totally, totally jacked snare head is in a cold, cold stage? Yeah, for sure. So he apparently well, knows. I think it's, I think it's also <laughs> cool though. I mean, when you think about doing that, you can only do that if you truly, truly obsessively love your gear. Yeah. Right. And so even doing that creates, I, I guarantee there's some sort of mental prep in doing that where that you get on the stage and you know, no, I gave my snare the love today. Yeah, it's I, ready. I, yeah. I warmed it up. It's ready to go. <laughs> and you hit it. And even if it doesn't sound, you know, if, if the tomb bot said, no, you're, you're, you know, five Hertz off in your mind, you'd be like killing. It is killing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I also a lot love, of mine, You know, but... uh, you and I were talking last week about pre-show warmups, pre-clinic warmups, stuff like that. And I like that, even though he's been doing this his whole life, he's grown up with this stuff. He's doing it with Bob Marley's son. He still says that in-depth listening to any Bob Marley live show to keep my mind in context with our genre. Yeah, he does uh, that as before part of his pre-show every, warm-up. Yeah. You, you, know, you would think like the last thing that Tommy Lee's going to do is throw on a Scorpions track. He's like, <laughs> I got it. I'm fine. I know what we do. But the fact that it's like, yeah, we're, we're going to go do this thing, but I'm still going to listen to you know the the holy grail of all of this stuff to be to be in the right spot and i like also that it says live show yeah exactly. not just album yeah totally really there's, cool. there's a cool quote that we we grabbed for a pool quote he says he's talking about the mix of electronics and acoustic drums because he has to do a little bit of both he says mm-hmm. i prefer to have a million real instruments in front of me than to be hitting rubber not that it's not cool but i pr- prefer getting the oxygen out of the instruments I thought that was an amazing way to look at it. Wow. He's actually yeah. he's actually thinking of these as a live instrument that's breathing with him. And you, and I you know I kind of I, we all experience that you play electronic kit and you're like it sounds cool it's fun something's not right. Something's like right. F- like emotionally not right. Agreed. And I think yeah, that's it. I mean, it's the I, air. It, that's I totally agree and that's it's a good way to put it because it's not what I love about that quote is it's not dogging out electronic drums or electronic percussion devices, as I call them. It's it's just paying homage to the drum set. It is a different instrument. It does its own thing, and some people really connect with that, you know. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Uh, well, definitely check out Courtney Bam Diedrich. You can find quite a few videos of him on YouTube. Uh, he's Damian Marley's drummer. Plus, he's done a ton of other stuff that you can read about. Really cool. And check out uh, the article. I will say that we've only you only pulled two quotes from it, and both quotes were like, uh, "That's a great way to look at it." So check out his yeah. article in the current There's issue a bunch of more. Drummer. And he's on the uh, Damian Marley album Stony Hill. He talks about that in the story. There's, it's it's a really interesting record because it I I've kind of forgotten about reggae because for me Bob Marley is it. It's kind of like Miles Davis and Hard Bop. Like right. that's all I need is some Miles Davis or some Bob Marley, but. I didn't realize that this scene is really thriving. I mean, it is, it's really fresh, and right. they're going for stuff. So just the mixture of hip-hop and, and classic reggae is, is really cool. cool. So check out that record. He's playing live drums on it. He also was part of the, the programming side of it to make sure it, it represented the style properly. It's very cool. Awesome. Well, now it's time to give a little love to our sponsor. All right, Dream Symbols. Thanks for sponsoring the show again. And... Um, they have a product that for teachers, students, or if you just have a practice room and you want to have a nice sounding set of cymbals that aren't a bazillion dollars, check out their Ignition Pack. It comes with 14-inch hi-hats, a 16-inch crash, a 20-inch ride, and also a 20-inch bag. And the price, 
which I don't have up anymore. It was under three hundred bucks, I believe. What did I say? I think it was under four hundred. It uh, was. I think it was in the. Yeah, in the it's about three eighty nine for for okay. a crash or ride hi hats and a case. They sound really nice. You can you can check out Nikki Bags. He's been demoing them on his page and on Dreams page. It's kind of a no brainer if you just need a nice set of good sounding. Professional sounding but student priced symbols. So thanks, Dream, for sponsoring the show. Awesome. All right, well, let's get into some gear. So this is something that uh, I was wondering, you know, quite honestly, uh, is it just fluff or is it a really cool kit? And talking off air, you were already giving it a glowing review. So we're talking about the Roland TD17 series. Yep. Where does this fall as far as entry level electric kit and super pro level where does this thing fall this is so they we talked about it a little bit a few months back they flew me out to when they did their launch of this and also opened their la uh, artist facility where you can go in and experiment with lighting setups and all kinds of crazy stuff uh, so this kit is ultimately going to replace the td12 i believe or td11 so it's kind of like a it's a mid-price kit with way more high-function, you know, professional-grade functions. So it's going to eventually okay. fade out some of the older mid-level kits. There's still entry-level kits, which they just announced yesterday, I think, that look pretty awesome. This is taken over the mid-price, and then they still have the flagship TD50 stuff. Uh, so there's three setups. There's a, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a 999 version, which has the mesh pad and rubber toms. There's, a, I think it's a 1299 version that um, has uh, all mesh pads, but the hi hat is doesn't move. It's like a, a, a whatever you call that. It's a pad on a stand rather than a hi hat stand with the moving parts hmm. and just two symbols. And then there's the one that we re- are reviewing, which is the KVX, which comes with two crashes, a ride, a movable hi hat that works with any stand, all mesh pads uh, on the kit. And that's like a how cool is that hi hat? The fact that it works with a regular hi hat stand. Yeah, I mean that's my number one complaint with all electronic kits is is the hi hat e- either just doesn't do enough or or like I either want it to do nothing, just be a pad, or have it right. feel like hi hats. And these are right. these are at the point where I I was kind of fooling myself that I was actually using my touch to to change the sound. Like wow. <laughs> it was pretty responsive. So that's that kit awesome. is the that's the upper level TD17 KVX that's a 15.99 kit. It's it sounds like it might be a little bit out of your price range but I think it's for for that price you're getting a kit that I paid 2500 for 10 15 years ago for the same wow. uh, uh you know same performance they're actually a, a much lesser performing kit. Right. So I well, think it's I a mean, game changer go honestly. Ahead. I think it's I agree. I mean some of the functions like streaming Bluetooth, Bluetooth from your phone yep. or your iPad straight to there, so you don't have to do an aux in cable. Yep. And then Apple stole the thing from you, so you have to get your dongle. <laughs> right. Holy hell! And they also uh, so, are letting you upload your own samples, which is a new, new. Um, what you call that? Philosophy for Roland. In the past, they didn't. Right. They wanted you to use their sounds, but now it's open. You can upload your own samples. That that to me makes it like okay game over like the pads feel good the kit is affordable it's compact the module lets me load in my own samples done i don't need anything else okay tell me this um what about the pads 
themselves. These are definitely a new look pad. Is that still a mesh head? It's a double ply mesh, the- double ply mesh head that they they okay. redesigned it so the trigger is is it's not under the center of the pad. It's like actually closer towards you, which keeps hmm. you know less of that machine gun response if you hit right over the trigger in multiple times. Right. Uh, but the big thing is they they redesigned the rim on the snare pad. That's what I'm looking at. Is it plastic? Is it rubber? It's like a, it's a coated you when you hit it. It's like a coated rubber coated plastic okay. or metal. I'm not really sure, but it feels like a like a hoop. And it's the proper oh, really? it's the proper height. It's the proper width. So rim shots are a lot more kind of just intuitive, realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that and the bass drum pad feels soft but strong. So it feels like you're hitting like a, a bass drum that might have a pillow in it or something. Yeah. Looks like it's got a nice sturdy rack. I love the the brain. Um, it looks like they've got all the functionality for you know the time check stuff. That really, if I'm going to play on an electric yeah. kit, I need it to do something for me that my drum set can't do. Otherwise, I'll just play my drum set. Yeah. And I love that now and i don't know unfortunately much about alesis or the other companies but i do know quite a bit about roland and yamaha and i love that they have things that tell you how your timing's doing and Mm -hmm. they kind of grade you on that stuff uh so it's pretty cool the bluetooth function like you said that's pretty amazing and i think that's obviously going to be coming everywhere but the other thing i wanted to know from you was how the pads feel because they do look much different than the traditional roland v-drum pads yeah i mean they're on this kit they're all mesh so the but the snare is a actually I was surprised how big it is. I think it's a twelve inch snare. It's a twelve. It felt yeah, like a 12. drum. It didn't feel like I was playing a pad. The toms are the smaller tens, I think. Sure. Uh, and the, you know they're all they're mesh pads, so there's still there's still a bit of a trampoline vibe. Uh, but I think you sacrifice, you know, some of that feel that you might get from a silicone head or something with just the the playability of it, the expressiveness right. of it. And it's it's relatively quiet. I mean it's. As far as an electronic kit goes, it's about as quiet as it can get. You're still going to hear awesome. the sticks smacking on the rubber pads and all that, but sure, sure. Um, yeah, what else does it do? So, yeah, the coaching functions. So they're they're kind of marketing this kit as for students, hobbyists, teachers, um, and also for touring drummers to have something that you can throw in the trailer and have backstage for a warm up because right. it's a, it's small. I mean, it's about the size of a computer desk, like a normal average computer desk. Sure. And light. I was able to kind of pick the whole thing up with one hand and pretty easily. But the coaching functions are cool. Uh, I don't know if how many of these are new, but the, there's the time check, which is literally telling you if you're ahead of or behind the beat and all that. Right. There's the quiet count, which is essentially it's a drop, you know, a, a gap click, and it assesses how accurately you are during the gaps. Then there's also a warm up mode, which will take you through a five, ten, or fifteen minute routine, which is combining like technical speed challenges timing challenges it's pretty neat so for students and teachers i think this is a great tool to be like make sure you do the coaching thing every day for the next week and right because it grades yeah. you all that pretty it's really cool awesome uh well everybody check it out obviously you can just find it on roland's site this is called the td17 there's a bunch of great videos of anna canellis playing it she even has some lessons on there there's a hi-hat exercise lesson snare exercise lesson so pretty cool stuff so check that out and now it is time for questions all right first one is from joe hi joe uh, I remember you mentioned a website about soundproofing. What was it? I'm about to buy my first house, and obviously my first priority is building a soundproof drum shed for teaching and practice. 
Nice. I don't remember that. Do you remember a website? It is. I did. It was a website that I recommended called soundproofcow.com. Ah, yes. Soundproofcow.com. You get to choose what you're trying to soundproof. So in their menu, you can choose door, window, ceiling, floor, and it takes you right to those areas and then uh, gives you different pricing options for whatever you want to do. All right. Next one is from Stuart. Um. Do you recommend headphones or powered speakers? So he's, he says, I want to play along with some music from Spotify, but I'm not sure how to go about doing it. Do you recommend headphones mm. or powered speakers? I've tried using my cheap Bluetooth speakers, but they don't really project enough sound. However, I don't right. really like wearing headphones. Ooh, well, in-ear monitors would be one option. Um, my, my biggest thing with speakers is unless you really know how to do it properly – you're going to keep cranking your speakers yeah, and then playing louder and then crank the speakers more and then you're just damaging your ears. I love playing to speakers because I go in knowing, you know what, there's a whole different skill set, which is not having in-ears, not having headphones, and having to use my ear and adjust my dynamics to that speaker. So I actually purposely turn the speaker kind of low and then see, okay, if the if my band was playing at that volume at a wedding, could I actually get down low enough and still play with dynamics? Um, but I think... You know, uh, a good set of quality headphones is going to run you about a hundred bucks. And I know that if you don't like headphones, then I would just suggest in ears. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, to get a quality powered speaker that's going to have enough clarity to where you can actually hear what the heck's going on, you're talking mm-hmm. five, six hundred bucks at least. Right. So yeah. And like I said, you're still going to crank the hell out of it and damage your ears. Yeah. You're going to go home with tinnitus. So uh, the beautiful thing about in ear monitors and especially custom molds, which Right now, honestly, if you get a good set of custom molds, like the entry-level Ultimate Ear custom molds are three ninety nine. I know that's a $400 investment, but you are investing like in your long-term hearing. Those become your earplugs. They become the things you use on flights when you're watching movies. So I, th- I think every musician in the world should have one set of custom-molded in-ear monitors. They're just great. Yeah, you know? I agree. All right, our last one is from Anthony. Uh, my question is about drumhead choices for lower-tiered beginner kits. Whenever mm. a student has beaten through the stock heads that come with the kit, I always say to go buy some good heads without really knowing what heads would be most beneficial. Are there mm. any specific heads that go well with cheaper shells, or will all heads do what they intend to do just to a lesser degree? That's a great question. But I, I generally suggest thicker heads for kits that maybe the bearing edges aren't great or the shells aren't the quality isn't all that great because a thicker hedge is going to kind of remove a bunch of the stuff that you're going to end up taping out or, or putting towels on the drums anyway so yeah. pre-muffled I head think. thicker head something that gets you more of a, a studio type sound right away yeah as a default especially with students if they're young students because then they, you don't have to show them how to tune and spend a couple of months you know getting the drums to sound good or whatever mm-hmm. or just getting frustrated and not to too. They sound bad yeah, I mean, for students, you know, you can't be there at home with them every day to find out what their volume level is like. So the other thing is, not only are they making those beginner entry level kits sound better by covering up some of the bad overtones, but they're just more durable. Mm. You know, so if you're dealing with, say, a Remo pinstripe coated or an Aquarian. Uh, What's the one after the response to? That's the farthest I've ever gone. But oh, the performance to. That's mm. kind of the same as the pinstripe. And then uh, any of the thicker Evans heads, you know, that's just going to last longer for the student. And oh, and also tell your students that 
when they get done with the top one, don't turn the drum over and play the bottom one. <laughs> that's like the, that's like the nine year old kiss of death right there when you're the nine year old uh, kid's like yeah but I have a brand new head on the bottom so I just flip the drum over you know it's every like, vintage kit I've ever purchased it that's what someone did along the way it's like original like, heads I don't know what's the top what's the bottom it looks like someone shot right. it with a pellet gun <laughs> right right and you're like okay so when you were done with, and like okay so there's two things one you literally flip the drum over so the badge is upside down and you play the bottom head or you just swap heads that's the craziest one so now I'm like wait there's a coated dented pinstripe on the bottom and there's a single ply clear on the top dented to hell like where it's got like the crater in the middle of it oh yeah yeah oh yeah (laughs) i think we've all been there we've all the only reason mike and i can make fun of it is because we've all been there yeah so yeah so i agree uh just some nice thicker double ply heads for your students it'll last them a long time so they don't have to buy stuff trust me parents will discourage their kids from playing an instrument if it keeps getting more and more expensive every week. So if you can get them some heads that'll last like six months to a year, the parents will appreciate that too. Mm-hmm. Take it. All right. All thanks. Right. That's it for questions. Thank you for sending them in. You can send more into mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. We don't have a gigantic stack this time. So if you send nice. your question in, we should be able to get to it in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we could always use some more. We could use some more audio questions. That's always fun to get your voice into the show. So just send that over yeah. mdinfo moderndrummer.com. Make sure if you're sending audio that you also include a link where I can download it. That's helped me not lose files. There you go. Um, and you can also you know come up with new things that maybe you want to ask but you just don't know how and the audio is the only way to get it across. I would love for somebody to say, I can play this, but I don't know how to explain it to someone else. What Here it is. What do you think it is? And then let us break it down for you. We'd be happy to do that. Um, all right. Pick of the week time. I will go first. My pick of the week. Uh, hopefully most of you by, know, by now know who Michael League is. He is the leader of Snarky Puppy and he heads up the uh, Ground Up label. Um, and is it Ground Up? Is that their label? I don't know their label, actually. You biscuit. Uh <laughs> Let me see here. Yeah, ground up music. Excuse me, ground up music. So, um, but so that's Snarky Puppy and four thousand other bands that Mike League is in, uh-huh. and he's he's the bass player. He's absolutely amazing, and his newest project on that I believe it's on that label, but his newest project is called Bocanti. I believe that's how you spell it, um, pronounce it, and they have a new album coming out uh, with the Metropole Orchestra, and it is amazing. Uh, I've only heard one track off it, but they've been doing a lot of promo for it and doing lots of Instagram stuff. And it is, for me, what I always thought world music would be. This is definitely in the world music genre. Now, oh, excuse me, it's on Real World Records, so it is on a different label than his label with... Peter Gabriel's record? Uh, label? Good question. Is Maybe it? it is. I don't know. That would um, be cool. Yeah, but... But what I really love about this is, okay, so when world music became kind of big, uh, honestly, a lot of it had to do with the Modern Drummer Festival bringing in these other musicians. World music was not world music. It was Cuban or Brazilian, and that was world music. And it was like, oh, okay, that's weird. Uh, (laughs) They just, I would assume in Cuba they call it music, and in Brazil they call it music. So it doesn't seem like world music to me. What I love about this project, when you hear it, you hear all of the world being kind of represented where you hear like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a Christopher Nolan soundtrack 
in the tubas, but then you hear the drums and you're like, I can't even figure out what that is. And then there's syncopation and then Mike League's playing bass. And then I honestly don't even know what language the lead singer, I don't know what language she's singing in. And it's like, this is world music. This is the, mm. what it sounds like when lots of people from lots of different influences come together and make music uh, with a shared language. So uh, it's a pre-release right now. You can get the first track called All the Way Home. Would you mind if we dumped in a little bit of it? Let's do it. really interesting i have no idea how i would describe that music that's genre world music yeah <laughs> yeah that's what i always thought world music should be uh and so yeah i i that's the stuff that gives me chills it's it's my favorite stuff in the world because it's just it's like art just being poured into your soul i love it so check out bocanti plus metropole orchestra that's the new album um coming out soon uh the actual album is called what heat so what heat is the album and Bocanti is spelled B-O-K-A-N-T-E. The video has I have some no nice, idea if I'm saying that I mean, right. The the dancers, there's some nice dancing in it too. It's very cool. Yeah, check it out on YouTube. It's I mean they're they're going in. There's definitely some serious production behind this. All right, my pick of the week is not nearly as inspiring, but maybe <laughs> maybe helpful. So my uh, my friend slash mentor Near Z hit me with a bomb the other day. I was like, what do you do if when you're in the studio you need to muffle your drums? I was like, ah, just go to Home Depot and buy some shop rags, the red ones. <laughs> so my pick of the week is nice. uh, the you know 100% cotton shop towels. You can get them at Home Depot, probably yeah. anywhere, hardware store. The red ones are, are the ones he says sound the best and work the best. And he uses that anytime he's going for that kind of dead 70s sound. He'll either cover the drum entirely or just a portion of the head. Um, so yeah, the brand that I'm looking at now is Uline, U-L-I-N-E. I believe they're available at Home Depot. You can get boxes of like 60 rags for 20 bucks or something like that. There you go. And are you talking about like throwing them on top of the drums? Yeah, just use them as muffling. Clip them on, use binder clips to clip them on the hoop. Right. You know, it's a, it's the tea towel thing. Um, sure. But it's so cheap. I mean, you get 60 rags you can give. You can outfit your entire you know all your buddies for you know for the price of what, Merry one, Christmas everybody one container got, of got muffler. some rags I love it I love it they That's also awesome. look cool you're like yeah I got these red shop rags I'm just gonna clip them on my drums I don't I don't know if you know but I'm a man <laughs> it's just kind of what I do oh, I just man. took these from uh, I was I was just rubbing down my uh, my Harley earlier today but now I'm gonna put them on my drums so <laughs> they're very four, cool they're 14 man. inch square so they'll cover a snare drum completely part of a floor tom all of the rack tom uh, you know it's, oh, it's pretty neat I'm gonna awesome. I'm stocked up on a, on these I want, he says the red sound better I'm gonna have to try the other colors to see <laughs> shut up that's the best no, I demoed I, I did it I, I went in the reds are way better way better awesome alright everybody have an amazing week go out there and practice work on your sight reading work on whatever you're working on 
And Mike and I will be back with you next week. Uh, we'll talk more about his prep for PASIC, which is coming up, my prep for the UK drum show, which is coming up. I will also be uh, doing a clinic in Bath that is open to the public on October 2nd. So I'll give you guys some more details on that. Oh, and I found out today, I just was scrolling through Instagram, that I was on the cover of a magazine that no one told me about. That's weird. Was it while you were in Asia or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not even a drum magazine. It's called Audio Pro. What? Did they interview (laughs) you? Maybe. (laughs) I did quite a few interviews with translators, so I don't really know. Uh, But thank you to them, because that was rad. I was like, oh, that... That does. Did my mom make that? No, that's a real cover of a magazine. Okay, cool. <laughs> Where did they get the photos? They took them while you were there. I. It clearly looks like it because I've never had a photo shoot taken. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure it was there. But you know, I mean, because usually what happens when you're there, there's translators everywhere, and somebody runs up and says, "Is it cool if we take a photo?" Yeah, of course. And then you just pose, and then. But I wish you would have let me know it was going to be on the cover of magazine, so I could have said, "Don't use that. I'll send you a real photo." <laughs> but it was fine. It came out great. They, they they did a great job. I was I posted it on Instagram because I was like, "This is crazy, cool." Hey, congratulations, so, international superstar, yeah. Mike Jones. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> if you need any audio advice and you need it in English, contact me. If you need it in anything else, I can't help you. All right, buddy. I will see you next week. All right. Oh, who's our outro? We've got Mike. Grodner, G-R-O-D-N-E-R. Grodner? Would you say Grodner? Grodner? Man, it's so embarrassing to butcher these names. <laughs> I should probably say, if you're going to send in a B, can you pronounce your name in your recording for <laughs> <I> me? <laughs> and they have to they have to phonetically spell Smith for us. I'm I can't so get it. So bad. So bad. Anyway, we all are. this is we Mike. He's got a mid-70s Campco kit with a Craviato snare, some Istvo Agop cymbals and Zildjian cymbals nice. and cymbal and gong hi-hats. He's got some short mics, AKG, AKG, D112 on the bass drum. Here we go. All right, so we'll see you next week. You got it, buddy. Take it easy. See ya.